0: Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet and I'm here with my good friend, Rachel Madel. How's it going, Rachel? It's going good, Chris. How you doing? Oh, I've missed seeing you because uh, we took a week off from recording and uh, I went to a lake for the week with uh, with a couple of my friends and my family and uh, that's a whole experience I'll get into later. How, how, how was your week?
1: My week was really good. So I came to this recording a little bit late and it's because I was doing an AAC consultation and. It's just so crazy to me it was a great consultation because mom left so happy and inspired that you know her son is gonna start using technology and she's had kind of a poor experience with past slps basically you know saying that he can't do it he's very impulsive and so he i saw a lot of impulsivity he was just like hitting buttons so fast like all the time but we pared down some of the language, some of the icons, and I hid some of them. So I masked some of the icons and just kind of kept a few. I realized that like that really was a helpful strategy. And then once I kind of got into a rhythm, I started bringing more vocabulary out and he was able to kind of attend a little bit better. You know, of course he has a lot of impulsivity, but what was really cool about this specific child was he was hitting the buttons all over the place. He was like, eat, go, all done, more, on, on, on," you know, all over the place. But when he actually was intentional, he would look at me. And so I feel like it was such a good reminder, you know, to the clinicians listening out there that are like, he's not consistent with it if we can pair that meaningful eye contact with the reinforcement that we're giving. So this little boy liked chips. And so he was like, we were working on eat. He would say eat, but I would wait until he looked at me and then I would give him the chip. Um, it's such a small step, but it's so important to remember because that shows intentionality, right? It shows that like I said, eat, and now I'm looking at you because I want something. And so that was the cool thing was he was very, you know, impulsive with the rest of the device and was saying all these different words. So rapid fire, so fast. He could use that device so fast. But when he actually wanted to eat something, he would say eat and he would look at me. So he would stop all of the boring and he would just be like, eat. And they like, look up and look at me. And so it was just like, I don't care if he's using that device and hitting all the buttons and exploring and doing those things. Some might call that stimming, but because he's intentional, I don't care because he's intentional with that. And I feel like that is such an important foundational skill to teach very early on when you're thinking about working with children with devices. If I can see that intentionality, then it's kind of like the other stuff is just babbling, right? It's just exploring.
0: It sounds like he was using a strategy with you of wait time, right? Like come over I hit and then I kind of look and wait and that word meant something so and something happened exactly and had the parents I mean it sounds like um, the, it was the mother that was with him in this case that, that, that brought him to the session and was this a, a device that you were sort of trying with him or did he come with that device and what was the parents you know experience with AAC prior to your consultation
1: So people call me and we talk about like communication, language, what are they saying as far as word approximations? How are they getting, you know, their daily needs met, all these things. And then I ask about AAC and so many families are like, oh yeah, well we tried one app one time and it just didn't work and he just wasn't into it or didn't use it or, and I start kind of digging a little deeper and I'm like, okay, like, you know, we'll give it a try again. um, Knowing that, you know, potentially it just wasn't supported in the right way. That's kind of what my, my brain goes to right it's like okay like it wasn't the device it was the implementation piece right that was what was lacking mm-hmm. the, the circle of support like you know this chris so of course that was the case with this kid she's like you know the school said absolutely not he's not ready which you know how i feel about that i was like oh like there's no quicker way to see my blood boil than to say like a child's not ready for you know a high-tech system but the school said he wasn't ready um another SLP that they were working with decided, you know, to try Proloquo, I believe. And it just didn't work. That, that was kind of how she framed it. And, you know, I have to say, and I've said this before, the wrong AAC is better than no AAC. So I'm happy that this clinician started something, right? Uh, because I feel like that is huge. And you know, we don't need kids waiting and not having any type of access to language. But, you know, I looked at the system. I was like, oh, like we could have, you know, set this device up in a way that supported motor planning a little bit better. You know, it was kind of all over the place. There's tons of navigating that had to be done. And I'm like, listen, like he has no issues with being able to find those buttons and those icons. We can make them smaller, make more white space on the device, the home screen, right? And focus strategically on some core words and that's exactly what I did. I masked a lot of the, the icons and just focused on some really like motivating ones. He loved chips. So eat, of course more all done, you know, go. Cause he loved spinning on my little desk chair. Um, and so we uh, approached it like that. And she was like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe he's doing this so consistently. Like, and he was following models and I was, you know, doing aided language input and it was just amazing. And so it's just like, it's not about the system. it's about how we teach communication partners and how we set up the vocabulary that we're targeting. I shouldn't say it's not about the system. It's more about those things than it is about the system. You mm. can have any system, but if it's not set up the right way and the communication circle of support isn't trained, then like it doesn't matter what system it is in some ways
0: so rachel, let me I'm trying to uh, picture this all in my mind. Where is the parent during this consultation is she in the room with you do you have some sort of video stream is it a mirrored wall that she's behind she is right next to me and we are
1: coaching in real time the end of the session i was like okay i was like you know i kind of like i'm like i gave you all the tools like let's practice them you know and she's like who who, me and I said, yeah, you. <laughs> and she's like, okay. She's like, she was so cute. She was like, okay, so I'm going to like walk up to him. I'm going to attribute meaning to the things that he's saying. I'm like, you got it. And so she was like, okay, we're all done. And she modeled all done on the device. And I said, great. At that point, she modeled all done, but then she took the device away. And I said, okay, try that again, but keep the device in front of him because we want him to be able to see it. And we want to give him a communication opportunity if he wants to say all done. She's like, oh, okay. So she tried it again. And then of course she said, all done. And then he, he imitated that model and he said, all done. And I said, perfect. And then I took the device and I said, it was so great meeting you. It's time for you to go. And I modeled go. And then we put the device in his little backpack and they were off. And so I'm very interactive in my sessions. I spend a lot of time getting information from parents and then also training parents on what are core words, you know, how to do things as far as programming on the device, like vocabulary targets that I feel like would be good, knowing, you know, what a child's motivated by. I can then think through the lens of what vocabulary should we start using that are really motivating for this child. I'm a big believer in having the parents there, just in real time, being able to teach them, show them when something happens, when I'm working with a child, I can say, you know, see how I waited and he looked at me, I can explain like the process that I'm going through as I'm doing the assessment. And I just feel like that's the the best
0: way to do it. You know, Rachel, it's fascinating to me because that is exactly what we are attempting to do with uh, the teachers that we work with, right? Is mm-hmm. that coaching, just just like exactly what you just said, like, okay, you said all done and then you move the device or so how about we do this instead? And it makes me question or, or brings up the question in my mind, if you generate like a care plan, you know, you come up with goals, I wonder so often that is, mostly I think it's focused on the student, right? It's the linguistic goals, what do we want the student to do? Even like we've talked about in the past, maybe your operational goals, we want the student to be able to turn on and off the device or you know, manage the device in some way. But I wonder about having goals and having specific a, a care plan for the communication partner. You mm-hmm. mentioned this idea of um, reflecting on what the student just did, respecting what the student just pressed when they pushed the buttons. That's uh, something uh, Jill Center and Matt Bod have talked about in the, in the past, that uh, reflect and respect. And so I wonder if that's not another strategy or something we could use is to develop a care plan for communication partners where, okay, next week when we come in, we're just going to practice wait time. Or next week when you come in, we're going to practice saying what the student said and then adding one word to it. So, if the student said uh, want, you're we going to add want it. Or if the student said eat, you're we going to say eat it or uh, want eat or uh, we eat, you know, throw a pronoun in there beforehand. Something like that, that we're going to practice expanding. I don't know. What are your thoughts on developing a care plan for the communication partner?
1: I love it, of course. And I do this, but in a very informal way. And so I feel like. It's exciting to think about what that would look like as a more formalized plan. And I feel like that is something that I could incorporate into the consultations that I do, right? Like thinking through, like, here's some things that I definitely want to teach you and coach you on. Um, You know, which ones do we think are the most important? Because I give brief overviews of those things, right? But it's really when you get a chance to practice in real time and you have somebody there coaching you, that's when it really solidifies. So I love
0: that idea. Yeah, I could totally see that helping a communication partner, especially a parent, when they leave the session, you know, that generalization piece, you know, when they go and read a storybook or whenever they're doing something at home, they'd be like, okay, uh, I just practiced with somebody who coached me through how to do expansions and now I can do it outside of that, you know, yeah. and then I can go back and, and and talk to Rachel next time I see her and say, hey, guess what? I started doing that outside, you know, we practiced it here and here's been my feedback. And then you can have a reflective conversation about it.
1: Mm-hmm. So I work with a lot of families on a consultative basis, right? So like, I don't see their kid every week, but I touch base with both parents. I t- touch base with ABA. I touch base with OT. Um, and that's either, you know, via Zoom where we can just talk about and troubleshoot in a big, team meeting or I work, you know, via telepractice and there's an ABA session happening and somebody opens a laptop and I like zoom in and I say like, okay, great. Like coaching in real time next time, you know, wait before you give that verbal prompt and see what happens. Um, and so I do a lot of these different ways, but the common denominator is, you know, it's coaching communication partners and helping them, um, you know, figuring out where we're starting and here's where we're headed because that coaching piece is so important. Right. And like what you just made me think about as we were sitting here talking is it's just, it's hard with the current assessment model. I'm thinking like, I never do a consultation or an assessment without somebody else that knows the child that I can help teach while I'm doing the assessment. And that's just something I started doing naturally. But I just wonder like how many clinicians out there are just pulling a kid in a room and just assessing them because it feels like that's not the move, right? (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Or, and then it besides assessment doing therapy, you know what I mean? Like just pulling them out into this isolated space and doing therapy there and kind of hoping that it generalizes, you know, Mm -hmm. as we practice it with the student, maybe they'll use it outside of here. But I wonder, I question how often that actually happens.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm like, I', I I'm a big supporter of having you know people in the session. You need to teach people what to do, and and also why you do what you do, right? You're like oftentimes we're so busy talking about here are the things, and you know don't give as many verbal prompts. But I really take it the next step further, and I say like, here's why. If we never give a child the space to figure out what they want to say, like they're just going to become reliant on prompts, and the only time we're going to hear their voice is when we prompt them. You know, so we need to give space and that's a perfect example. I could just say, make sure you like, you know, use wait time and pause, but like why? It's because kids become prompt dependent and oftentimes they need processing time. So we need to let them figure out what they want to say before we jump in.
0: So I've been hearing two, maybe more, but at least two big questions that I'd love for our listeners to chime in on, on the Facebook group. So one of them, is there anyone out there who's listening? who does have a formalized care plan or action plan for communication partners. Uh, we've done it informally in the past, but you, know, like you like you said, maybe make a list of things and ask the, 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 the communication partner what they'd like to learn more about. Um, but is there anyone who has formalized that in any way? Oh, we'd love to hear more. Uh, so there's that question that we're posing to the Facebook group. And the second question might be, how often, what's your percentage of the students you work with do you do in a sort of an integrated model where you are not the only other person in the room, uh, or you're not the only other adult in the room, um, or you're not the only other person, I guess, doing therapy in the room? And what's the percentage that you're doing that? versus what's the percentage that you are either in a general education classroom, a special education classroom with other other kids around, uh, you're working with parents if you're in a private setting where you're not the only person in the room. I'd love to find out what the percentage is. I couldn't even ballpark it right now.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Chris, as you were talking, I was like, wait, do I have a formal communication partner care plan? And I'm going to share my screen with you right now because I have a, um, a core word bundle that we've created, which is awesome. So I use it during every one of my assessments or consultations as a way to teach about core words because that's such an important part of what we're doing, right? Um, so of course it explains core words. We have all the language expansion strategies, like here are all the strategies that we can use. Now, this isn't AAC specific we have core words by routine in the community, but you see these core word homework helpers. So this is something that I use with a lot of my clients to help teach the language strategy. So like one of the strategies is do something unexpected. The other one is leave things open-ended. But I feel like, and then we have this blank one where you can fill it in. And I oftentimes will fill in AAC things, but I'm wondering if we could just like take what I already have and like make an AAC specific one, because that could be really useful.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, first of all, I just have to say, I I wish everyone could see this right now because it is so clean. You know, a lot of the homework or um, uh, stuff that I've seen given out to parents is very wordy. There's uh, lots to read, too long to read, too confusing, a lot of jargon. What I'm seeing just at first glance on what you're showing me is a lot of open white space, short little lists, uh, very visually appealing so that you can easily digest it. So, sorry, I got lost in the design of what you have. uh, It's it's
1: so important too, right? When people feel overwhelmed visually, they don't do it, right? They don't read it. They're not going to go through it. And so I just feel like there's so many materials that are wonderful as as far as content, but the visual piece, it's just, it's too much. There's not enough white space. It's overwhelming. And you just, what do you do with that? You just kind of like toss it in your bag and then like never look at it.
0: Exactly, exactly. It gets thrown in the pile of all the other junk that you don't look at, right?
1: Exactly. Actually, I think on my Instagram, we have a video going through the resource. So yeah, you should definitely check it out if you guys are interested. It's been such a tool for me to use when I'm doing these consultations because it literally takes me through every step of the process. It like, here are the different parts of speech. Here are the different reasons that we communicate. You know, I get to be able to hit like everything I need to talk about. And then it's like practical strategies. So then I'll just send the strategies and the homework home. And I'm like, okay, let's get started. Like, here's what we're going to work on first. So yeah, it's funny how this has evolved this conversation, but yeah, I kind of already have that.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, and it sounds to me also, I mean, I I know a problem that I've had in the past is where if I'm trying to explain something to a parent, I want to give it to you all at once, you know? So here's an hour's worth of awesome stuff that you won't remember, but 10 minutes of, you know, and be like, what was that guy saying? And it sounds like the, what you have developed here, it's more patiently uh, designed, meaning you are parceling it out after each visit so that um, it's more digestible over time. Absolutely. So Chris, what are we talking about today? What's what's our episode about? Uh, my vacation at the lake, I think. Is that- <laughs> oh, that vacation. Wouldn't that be a great episode? It is funny, Rachel, because one of my best friends in the world, who I've known since third grade, he married a speech-language pathologist, right? And I've known her for, they just celebrated their 20th year anniversary, right? So every year when we get together at the lake, her and I always at some point and just sit at the end of the dock over the lake and we talk about everything to do with Asha. She, she does not work with AAC specifically. She's much more into uh, craniofacial anomalies and mm. um, swallowing. And uh, she works at a hospital, which, you know, again, completely different than what I do, right? Which is why it's great to sit and chat with her because we compare notes where we, we live in the same world, you know, but we don't, you know. Exactly. Uh, So even vacation, you know, there's a time when you go away and and I just sit like I said, spend some time with a speech therapist and um, commiserate, you know?
1: Yeah, no. And that's the thing. I feel like that's the telltale sign that you're doing something you love, right? When you're on vacation and you're still talking about it. That's great. That's great news to hear because if you hated your job, there's no way you'd be talking about it on vacation.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it feels like maybe I should work here all the time on the end of the dock. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Maybe we could, uh, next year, we'll do uh, an episode from there. You know, we can do a banter. from <laughs> In, in, Chris, I'll be there. Besides that, the rest of the episode is uh, another, uh, one more uh, two-part episode. This is going to be the first part of a two-part episode called AAC in the Cloud. So basically, we
1: were asked to present at AAC in the Cloud, and I love that conference, so I said, of course. And Chris and I were trying to figure out what should we present on, and I thought, well, what do, what do all SLPs need? They need more time. And how can we get more time? We can't add more hours to the day, although I wish we could, but we can make our work more efficient and productive. And so part of this episode, you're going to hear a lot of productivity hacks, things that you can use with Google and Google Chrome and on your laptop and apps and all of these things that can help make your time more efficient because you're able to be more productive you're able to automate things that typically would take a long time. Um, and then the other portion is how can we use technology, apps, extensions, all these things to help facilitate more communication between home and school between you know school and home, between clinician to clinician, teacher to parent, all of these things. and so this episode is actually really great not just for speech language pathologists but for anybody good to break down all the different apps that you can use to just make your time more efficient and to just more quickly communicate with the people about the progress that's being made and tracking progress over time.
0: It's funny you mentioned time because we actually ran out of time in this presentation. We didn't get to all of the productivity hacks that we had planned to in that hour time slot with AAC in the cloud. So uh, what you're about to hear is part one. Next week will be part two. But then we promised that we would come back and do a part three, which will be coming up here in the future.
1: Yeah. So this course we did for AAC in the cloud, which is a free AAC conference. But if you guys are interested in earning CEUs for our podcasts, this summer we've been spending a lot of time airing courses that we've done. You can go to bit.ly backslash tech CEU and you have access to all of our courses. So you simply listen to the episodes on our podcast and then you can earn CEU credits. It's as simple as that.
0: So, without further ado, enjoy our presentation of tech hacks that support team collaboration, productivity, and efficiency that we did for AAC in the cloud in 2019. Please listen carefully. Hi, I'm Matt Hott, one of the hosts of Speech Science, a weekly podcast bringing you all the information that you can handle related to speech sciences and disabilities. Michelle Wintering, Michael McLeod, and I interview leaders and difference makers in the field. Every Tuesday, we drop a new episode. You can find us on iTunes, Android, and on our website, www.speechscience.org slash speech science podcast. Join us as we try to find the answers to the question. What is communication? everyone, welcome to AAC in the Cloud. And this session will be presented by Rachel Madel and Chris Bouguet. Their session is tech hacks that support team collaboration, productivity, and efficiency. So go ahead and take it away. Excellent, so uh, Rachel, why don't you get us started?
1: Yeah, so I'm just trying to, or who's gonna share the screen, Chris? Uh,
0: well, I guess I will share my screen. Well, you, why don't you start?
1: Okay. Um, (laughs) Bear with us here. We're going to be doing a lot of tech hacks and screen sharing and trying to show you guys, instead of just talking about all these things. So, um, let's see if I can figure this out. All right. So I'm screen sharing and let's start at the beginning. Present. Okay. So, um chris this is the bitly link to our slides correct it is okay so if you guys want to follow along with the slides then just um put this bitly in it's bit.ly backslash aac productivity hacks all right So, let's do introductions. Uh, My name is Rachel Madel and I am a speech language pathologist. I do presentations on AAC. I am an AAC consultant in Los Angeles. I have a private practice um, where I see all different kinds of kids. Um, I see a lot of children with autism and I use a lot of AAC. I'm also a, um, a co-host to the Talking with Tech podcast with my favorite, Chris Bouguet, who uh, is presenting with me today. Um, and I also do some app consulting. Uh, I'm gonna go over some of my disclosures. So I, um, I own my, my own company, Rachel Meadle Speech Therapy. Um, I do have a blog where we sell online resources um, and materials. I do receive advertising revenue from the Talking with Tech, tech podcast. Um, I also receive uh, income from the CEU courses that are on Exceptional Ed. Um, oftentimes, Chris and I present a lot of those together. Um, and then some of my non-financial disclosures. I'm a member of ASHA, Big um, 12, which is a special interest group for AAC, um, and CASHA, which is California's Speech and Hearing Association. and. Um, As I mentioned, I do some app app consulting with um, EQtainment and uh, augmented reality app for children with autism called Moment AR. Um, And here's all of my social media stuff. I would love to be friends with you guys. Um, So if you haven't started following me, um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and then there is my website, rachelmadel.com. Take it away, Chris.
0: So my name is Chris Bouguet, and I work, uh, my day job is working for Loudoun County Public Schools. Um, I just today was up in Philadelphia, but I live down in Virginia. So I've been to uh Pennsylvania today, I've been to New Jersey today, I've been to Delaware today, I've been to Maryland today, and now I'm in Virginia. I'm back home in the closet uh recording uh this this webinar with all of you. Um I also had the great fortune of writing a book called The New Assistive Tech: Make Learning Awesome for All, which is um is uh, a a book that's sold by ISTE the International Society for Technology and Education, and what I do primarily is assistive technology. I help uh, different uh, teams help decide what technology to put in place, and I really help um, uh, school districts decide on how to best implement technology and design instruction to meet the needs of all learners. So that's kind of what I do, and I also co-host the podcast with my favorite Rachel. Uh, in the podcast together weekly, uh, coming up with topics to talk about and, and discussing augmentative communication, which of course this conference is all about. Just out of curiosity, are there people who listen to the podcast? I am not in the Slack channel, so I actually can't see the answers yet.
1: I am in the Slack channel, and I can tell everybody who's who's typing oh we have lots of people typing love chris's book for making at accessible i would have to agree with that it is a fantastic book if you guys have not read it you have to have to have to go get it um it's it's awesome i refer
0: to it a lot thanks everybody thank you all right so shall we get started with some productivity hacks, hacks? yep
1: oh my god all
0: right rachel you go first let's talk about privacy
1: okay so here's our podcast in case you guys were wondering Um, which we'll share at the end too. Um, Okay. So we're going to be talking a lot today about uh, different technologies that you can use both for work productivity, because we all realize a lot of you guys are clinicians. A lot of you guys don't have a lot of time, right? Time is the most valuable resource. Um, And we're also going to be talking about technology that can help with communication. Um, So whether you work in the schools or in private practice, um, how can we use technology to better communicate with the team members that are working on the same case as us. Um, you know, so of course we have to talk about privacy because a lot of what we're, we're going to be discussing today and showing is, uh, you know, client sensitive information. So of course, always obtain written permission from parents and guardians before taking photo- photos and videos. Um, I know in the schools, there's a lot of issues with privacy. Um, so some of the things that we're going to be sharing today, it might not fly with your school district. Um, definitely make sure um, before you start doing any of these things um, you know i'm in private practice and i have a lot of paperwork for parents to sign um, before i start taking videos um, you know for clinical documentation purposes Um, So just be sure that there's all the permissions. Um, You have all the permissions in order before you start um, sharing any type of information or using any new technology. Um, Then of course, always password protect. Um, A lot of the options that we're gonna be talking about today have the feature of password protection. Um, And so just making sure that we're really being cognizant of privacy.
0: Cool. All right, so with that little warning, uh, let's jump over to the very first productivity hack that we want to talk about, which is if you go back to the first slide. Rachel, is it all right if I take control of the screen share for a second? Yeah, uh, yep. so we're going to switch over and it's going to be <laughs> me that's sharing. Uh, share my entire screen, right? <laughs> there there I you, <laughs> all right. That is when we go back to the very first slide of this presentation, you saw the QR code over here. And... Uh, I love using QR codes Uh, It's just as an accessibility feature. Uh, Rather than typing in this long URL, you can just hover your phone, click on the, um, usually it's just the cell phone uh, camera app. If you have an iOS device, it's definitely the camera app. It might be different on an Android device, but I use an, an iOS device. You click on the camera app and you hover over that QR code and it'll instantly bring up the, whatever that QR code is pointing to. So I wanted to quickly show how to create a QR code. Because it is such a useful tool, uh, one for me, organizing information, but most importantly, sharing information. So if you're sharing information with other people, other professionals, a QR code is, and students, the QR code is the way to go. There's so many different things you can do with it. So um, QR code, the the tool that I use is a website called QR Stuff, right? And so I don't even have an account, although you can create an account for some extra features. I just use QR QRStuff.com. And whatever long URL I have, so let's say I was going to um, uh, this, bit.ly slash talking with tech podcast, right? This is our podcast, right? Notice this long URL up here, right? I don't want to have to type that in every time. Uh, I want a QR code that I want to share this with other people. I just copy that QR code and bring it back to qrstuff.com and I paste it in here. And when I hit paste, right, I want you to take a close view at the QR code that's over here on the right-hand side. So watch what happens when I paste this in. All I'm gonna do is paste and watch the QR code. Did you see it change? It changed the QR code. And then you can take a screenshot. I happen to use, uh, we're gonna show you some other screenshot tools, but this is the snipping tool in Windows because they happen to be on a Windows computer. And I just click new. And I click that right there, do a little lasso of the QR code, and I hit copy. And now I can paste that QR code wherever I want. I can put it in a Google Doc. I can put it in Google Slides. That's exactly how we made the QR code to the slide deck of this presentation, is that we took the long URL that was uh, for the Google Slides, copied it, brought it over to QR stuff, and then did a screenshot, just like I showed, and then pasted it back into the slides. And that is a quick way to create, to make QR codes out of any long URL.
1: And Chris, what, isn't there a feature with the iPhone that has a QR reader automatically built in?
0: Yes, that's exactly right. So like, uh, you can just take your phone app, uh, just, sorry, your phone app, your, your camera app and you just open up to like, you're going to take a picture. And as you hover over the QR code, it automatically, you can try it right now. If you have an iOS device, your your iPad or uh, iPhone, you will hover over that QR code and it'll automatically pop up and it'll say, are you sure this is a hyperlink? Are you sure you want to go there? And you just say, yes, I'm sure. And it'll open up in Safari. And then you can have that and save that link for later.
1: Uh, Chris, Andrea has a question. Do those codes work forever?
0: So yeah. yes, yes, they do uh, on QR, uh, as long as whatever they point to lasts forever. Meaning if uh, for some reason this website, right, right? I just made a URL. I made a QR code out of this URL. If this, if this website went down, then that of course would point to the dead website. The 404 error was, was what you'd get, right? Does that make sense? But yes, that would last forever. Awesome. Any other questions there?
1: I don't think so. Everyone's excited about the QR codes, Chris, as, yeah. as am I. As am I.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, they see them, but they're not sure how to make them, and that's how it is. It's just a simple copy and paste, really. Yep. Right, the second tool we want to show real quick is, again, right here on the front screen, it's bit.ly AAC productivity hacks, right? Well, what is this bit.ly? A lot of people use it. Maybe you've seen it. If you've seen other presentations, sometimes you see bit.ly, and then there's a bunch of like random characters down here. Uh, Sometimes you may have seen a URL shortener that's Google. It'll be like G-O-O-G dot L-E slash random letters or numbers, right? Um, But I feel like the power of a URL shortener is not really to make it shorter, but to make it more memorable. So let me show you how to use bit.ly. So uh, I've got it pulled up right here. Here, This is bit.ly and you'll see I have created an account. Um, And what you can see here is all the URLs that I've taken and I shortened. Uh, And this is kind of like a library of all the URLs that I've ever shortened, uh, which then I can go search later on. But let's just start with taking another long URL and wanting to shorten. it. So let's say I went to RachelNadel.com, right? Okay. Eh, I can kind of remember that. I know Rachel, right? Oh, I remember- I am. <laughs> yeah, there you are, right? But let's say I wanted to go to um, one of her videos. And let's say I wanted to see this one in particular, right? Well, that's going to play right there in YouTube. Let me go to... Well, yeah, that's pretty good. Let's open that up in YouTube. All right Now check it out. This is a YouTube video from Rachel that is, is your child stuck using the I want phrase, right? So I'm gonna pause that video. Here is the long URL for that. And who's gonna remember that? YouTube.com slash watch question mark V equals R, like no one's gonna remember that, right? You can bookmark it, but really I wanna, this is one. something that maybe I wanna share, share with parents. I wanna share with other educators. How do I get this URL in a way that they're gonna remember it, right? So the name of this video is uh, stuck using the I want phrase. So I'm going to, again, take this long URL and I'm going to copy it. So I'm hitting control C on my keyboard, or I can right click and hit copy. And I'm going to jump back over to bit.ly. Now, again, I've created an account here already. So you have to create an account to do this. Um, And I'm going to hit this create button. When I go to create, I'm going to hit control V or I'm going to right click and choose paste. Right, just so you can see that. And there you can see that long URL. And when as soon as I do that, it tries to customize it for me. And it does. It says bit.ly slash 2LK. What what no one's gonna remember that either. So all I do is I click there and I back that train up. And I think this was stuck on I want video. See how I'm I'm I just type that in bit.ly slash stuck on I want video and I hit save. And then it comes up. Hey, this has been saved, and now you'll see it's right there. When I copy that in, I can paste it. Notice that right there. See it? See that URL? Bit.ly stuck on I want video, and boom, it takes me right back to it. Now the real power there is not the copy and paste. The real power is two weeks from now when I need that thing again. What was that URL? Wait a second. I know what it was. It was bit.ly slash um, Stuck on I want video. And when I type it in, boom, it takes me right back there. And three months, from now, I might forget. Geez, did I, did it, how, what was that URL again? Well, again, it's created an entire, if I have an account, all free, by the way, nothing that I'm paying for. Um, here is a list of all of the URLs that I've ever shortened ever. So I can go back and search. Let's say I wanted to type in, let's say core vocabulary, right? I just do a search for core. Here's all the URLs that have had core like coding for core talking with tech core D Rachel core words, another video, I think, and, and so wow, on. Oh, you're making bitlies of my videos, Chris. I, I, am, I am. I also remember them. So that's what, that's a quick way to make URLs more. I think this is a great productivity hack to make URLs more memorable, not necessarily shorter. If it, if look at how long this was in long. this is a, bit.ly, language all day long Google Sheet, right? It doesn't have to be necessarily be shorter, just it makes it more memorable. Awesome. All right, I am going to stop sharing my screen. I'm going to send it back to you.
1: All right, so I'm going to start sharing my screen somehow. (laughs) All right, let's see. I'm screen sharing. Okay, let's go ahead a little bit. Okay, let's talk about video, because we know we can send really, really long, elaborate emails to groups, which I'm sure you guys all do as clinicians, Um, but what you can say in, you know, a 30-minute email that it takes to type, a video can just show right, which is one of the values of video. Video is so powerful. You can show a 10 second clip of something that you're working on in your session and you can send it to a team. Um, So I have some different options up here for you guys. Uh, Google Drive, um, so I put um, Google Drive on here with, if you're school, if you work in a school and you have uh, a school domain, um, you can use Google Drive to send videos. Um, You just share a link through the Google Drive and it's a really easy way to, to share video. Um, the other options, um, if if YouTube or Vimeo. Um might be an option for you as far as privacy um you are able to create private channels to track progress over time so i've actually i typically when i'm doing this with the clients that i work with i'll typically recommend that the family is the one who sets the video channel up um because you know they're kind of the the quarterback of the team right um so they can share it with new clinicians they can share it with whoever they want um, and they're responsible for kind of the making sure that it's private. Um, You can create passwords and make private channels. Um, So when I first say, oh, like let's start a YouTube channel my parents are like, no, absolutely not. Like we wouldn't want to broadcast our child all over the internet. Uh, But there's ways that you can you know, make it so that it's a completely private channel and only people who have the link and the password are able to access it. Um, So both YouTube and Vimeo are the same in that respect. Um, And you can just share links, you can upload videos. Um, There's a lot of really great things that you can do as far as videos are concerned. Um, same thing, same concept, um, shared iPhoto albums. So I actually have a lot of families who um, who have an iPhoto album that's shareable. Um, I just saw right before this webinar, I was just seeing a little girl and her mom has set up an iPhoto album for all of her therapies. She has, oh my goodness, I don't even know. There's at least three speech therapists alone on the team, uh, but she has OT, PT, behavior therapy, Floor time. She has all, she has so many therapies, um, and so we all have access to a shared iPhoto album, and it's really great because I can take a quick video in my session and I can upload it to the shared iPhoto album um, and. Same thing with pictures um, and, and and that way you can share it instantly and you also can comment. Um, so oftentimes I'm a part of a, I'm actually part of a lot of shared to photo albums and I don't have time really to go and see all of them. Um, but sometimes I'll go through and I'll see, you know, you know, oh, like, you know, so and so is using their device at the playground. Um, and I can comment and I can give suggestions, you know, next time, you know, give them a choice of, you know, a few options, not just two choices. Um, or next time, model on the device. Um, so there's lots of different ways that you can use it and you can help guide teams. Sorry, I thought I heard you, Chris. <laughs>
0: nope, nope, just listening along.
1: Okay. Um, so anyway, shared iPhoto albums are a really great idea. Okay, should we switch over again? Uh, or do you want me to just keep keep on keeping on?
0: No, let's, let's switch over if that's okay. And we're gonna talk about Google for a second, right? right? So by the way, I'm in the Slack channel now, I believe. <laughs> uh, I'm so still sharing. What's that?
1: Am I still sharing or no?
0: You are mm. I'm gonna share.
1: Oh no. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, sometimes tech things are overwhelming. That's why we're here to help.
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm screen sharing again. And what I really want to show is uh, the next thing is to really start talking, dig into Google. Uh, uh, just real quick in the Slack channel, I'd love to know how many people use Google in their in their daily life, uh, meaning Google Chrome. Uh, maybe they use it in their school district or in their private practice. Um, but one of the, I guess, productivity hacks, it's not really a hack so much, is that it's uh, understanding the difference between signing into Google and signing into Google Chrome. Uh, That is something that I find is very confusing for a lot of teachers. It's the first thing I show whenever I do uh, any sort of Google sort of training. And so right now, I just kind of want to show you the difference. Uh, Right now, uh, you'll notice there's two little icons right here that my cursor is pointing to. One has like a little ninja icon, and the other is uh, my face, right? When you go here, this is signing into your Google account, but it's not necessarily signing into Google Chrome. Which means that all of these wonderful tools that I'm hovering over don't show up. It would be like I would just be looking signed in as a guest. I have to go here and I have to sign in with my account to sign into Google Chrome. And when I do that, when I sign into Google Chrome, the browser, I get all of my extensions on no matter which computer that I'm on. Um, And and that is an important distinction because I want all of these extensions. Uh, just real quick, I'm gonna flip over to the next the next slide. Uh, there's often confusion between, I've heard the term Google app, and I've heard the term Google extension, and I've heard the term Google add-on, but I don't really know the difference between those three things. So I just want to take a moment to kind of clarify that for people, because it does seem to be a point of confusion by a lot of people. So an app is usually, I, the way I equate it, it's sort of like a website. Uh, when I click on an app, it, it's going to launch in a new tab in the browser, and it's it's ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's a website. Sometimes there are apps that run on a Chromebook exclusively. That's that one percent of the other times, but most of the time it's really just another website. An extension is a tool that helps you helps the user have a better experience in the browser tab that they're in. And that's really all of these jobbers up here. These are extensions that help you have a better experience within the tab. And then an add-on is specific to the app that you're in. So over here, you'll notice that we are currently in Google Slides, right? And over here is a tab that says, or a a menu that says add-ons. And when I click there, I have added these add-ons to Google Slides. If I were to jump over to Google Docs or Google Sheets, there would also be an add-ons tab, but these wouldn't necessarily be there because they're specific to the app that I'm currently in. So all of them will have the add-on little menu, but not necessarily uh, have the same uh, add-ons. And then the add-ons are ways to help you have a better experience within the app. So Grackle Slides, for instance, is a is a specific to how to make your slides more accessible. Once we completed a slide deck, you could click on Grackle Slides and it'll do like a accessibility check to make sure that uh, that it's that it's 50 508 compliant, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, 508 compliant. Um, and then there's other ones that that uh, that you could that you could do in different uh, in different apps. So does that make sense? Extensions are up here, add-ons are here. And the way you get an add-on, for instance, is just right here. It says get add-ons, right? Uh, The way you get extensions is to go to the Web Store. So I'm going to go to the Chrome Web Store. And when I click on Web Store, here is how I can add different extensions. I could do a search for any sort of productivity tool that I wanted. And you'll notice that they already have some that uh, recently updated. Uh, But I can then just add any one. Let's see, like if I wanted to do a a spell check or something like that, I could do a search for spell check, click on extensions. And if I really wanted to add spell checker for Chrome uh, to to my extensions, I hit add to Chrome. I hit add extension and you're going to see it show up up here in my In my bar and then it gives me a little you know information about what that extension is Uh, before i go too too much farther away from that i really want to show you kind of my favorite uh, productivity hack extension if you will as you start to explore extensions to see how you can improve your experience in the chrome browser uh, they can get to be overwhelming you can see i have a number of extensions up here and the more extensions you have the slower your, your computer works. So you want to be able to kind of turn them on and off on a dime. Like, oh, I don't use this one very much. Uh, sometimes I use it, but I don't use it all the time. Can I hide it? Can I take it out? So it doesn't slow down my system resources. So the extension that you really want, maybe one of the first ones you want, is something called Extensity right there. You can see I'm hovering over it. Uh, let me just put that in real quick uh, let me go back to the Web Store and type in extensity. I've
1: never heard of this one. I'm really excited. I'm writing notes. If you guys haven't seen it, can't see me. I don't know if you can see me or not, but I'm writing notes.
0: <laughs> so so Rachel, notice, look, check it out. This one says rate it, and this one says add to Chrome. And that's because I have already added it to Chrome, right? It's asking me to give my experience where this one. I have not added to Chrome. So if you did a search for extensity, you would probably see add to Chrome here because you haven't added it yet, right? But once you add it, it puts that little uh, icon up there. And when you click on it, it gives you a list of all of your extensions. And you'll notice that some are grayed out and some are not. The ones that are like Bitmoji, for instance, is not grayed out and it shows up right here. But if I do on all the time, I can just quickly click on it and you can see it disappeared, right? If I didn't want... Um, Let's see, if I didn't want my Mercury Reader to show, that's this little rocket ship. I can just click on it and it disappears. And now it's saving all my system resources. And if I wanted to bring it back, I just click on Extensity again and say, no, wait, I really do want to bring, um, uh, I don't know, let's say, uh, sure, Evernote back. I can click on it and it appears there and it brings it right back. Is that helpful?
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> I didn't even know about intensity. I knew I was going to learn from you, Chris.
0: Yeah, so there's other slides that we have on apps and extensions, but I really wanted to show that particular one um, because it's, I, like I said, it seems to be a really fast way to save system resources. It's, it's a huge productivity hack. Thank you for listening to this first part of a two-part episode. We'll talk to you next week. You're listening to The Exceptional Podcast Network.